my absolute favorite times of year is fall, because fall usually means cooler weather, right? Unless you live in Texas, in which case it can be mid-November and it's almost 90 degrees outside, right? But I love fall because I love the cold weather. And in my book, there's, there's some foods that are only good in cold weather. Now, my wife can eat chili and soup all year long, but for me... I want it to be nice and cold outside before I can enjoy a nice, big, hearty bowl of meaty chili, right? But there's, there's one food, if there's one food of any foods, there's, a, there's one food in particular that is only good when it's cold outside, and that's pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is my absolute favorite. I love pumpkin pie. Don't even think about trying to ruin it, ruin it with with Cool Whip or whipped cream or anything like that on top, just give me the plain old pumpkin pie and give me the whole thing. I love pumpkin pie. In fact, we have a tradition in our house that the first day that the high temperature doesn't get above 65, my wife makes me a pumpkin pie, and there's nothing left by the next day. When I was nine years old, uh, it got to be Thanksgiving time, and I had strep throat. So I couldn't go with my, mom, with my dad and brother and sister to my grandparents' house. I had to stay home with my mom. And I remember as my brother and sister and dad walked out, were about to walk out the door, I just remember breaking down and weeping because I watched my mom hand them the pumpkin pie. And they left. With my pumpkin pie, how could she do this to me? Does she not love me? If she loved me, she would know that I love pumpkin pie. But guess what? As soon as they got to the end of the driveway and took off down the street, my mom went into the kitchen, opens up the cabinet, and she pulls out not one, but two pumpkin pies. This was the best day of my life. I've got two whole pumpkin, not, except for the day we got married, but I got two whole pumpkin pies for myself, right? You remember Home Alone? Kevin goes up to his room and he goes, a whole cheese pizza all to myself, right? That's how I felt. I had these pumpkin pies all to myself. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. The rest of the day, all I ate was pumpkin pie. I don't know if I ate anything else, but I can tell you that by the time my family got home, there was no pumpkin pie left. I love pumpkin pie. So you can imagine how excited I get around Thanksgiving, right? But there's, there's more to Thanksgiving than just pumpkin pie that gets me excited. Because as we go through our lives, as we turn on the news, as we live day to day, we face such difficult and, and horrible stuff that's on the news that's just hard. It makes life unfun. And we get weighed down by these things. But at Thanksgiving, we have an opportunity to stop and to think about the good things that God has given us in our life. And we get to focus on those for just a little while. And this morning, we're going to do that as we look at Psalm 118. And, and as we read through Psalm 118, what we're going to find is that, number one, there's a reason for us to give thanks. And the second thing that we're going to see is that when we give thanks, it impacts our lives. It changes us. So let's look at Psalm 118. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it there, Psalm 118. If not, the words are going to come up right here on the screen. Psalm 118, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. He goes on. He says, 
Let Israel say, let the nation say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Isn't that an amazing thought? God's love endures forever. God's love for you endures forever. The word that's translated love there in the Hebrew is the word chesed. All right, everybody say that with me. Chesed. Right? You want to write that in your notes? I'll spell it for you. It's phlegm, E-S-E-D. That's how you spell it. Chesed. And it's translated love. Some, some translations say loving kindness, but that really, doesn't, that really doesn't capture the whole meaning of this word. It's so much more than that. It's, it's God's persistent, unconditional tenderness, kindness, and mercy towards us in a relationship of love. Right? It's, it's God's strong, steadfast love for us. And that's the reason we have to give thanks, is for God's strong, steadfast love is our reason that we have to give thanks. And throughout the, the Bible, what we see is that chesed, this idea of God's love for us, is, is illustrated through the picture of marriage. I recently came across an article about a couple named Ian and Larissa. Ian and Larissa met and fell in love while they were in college. And as time went on, they, they were falling deeper and deeper in love. And as they, they continued in their relationship, they began talking about marriage. And they began dreaming about a life together. But they never imagined that an accident would leave Ian confined to a wheelchair and in need of constant care for the rest of his life. But as the months went on, he he continued to improve in his condition a little bit to the point where he was now responsive and he could respond to certain things. And Larissa was faced with a choice, and this is where the article picks up. She, She had a choice to either go on with her life or to marry the man that she loved and spend the rest of her life taking care of the man that she fell in love with. And this is what the article says. Larissa faced a choice. To let go of the man she loved or to walk with him down a road of certain suffering. She chose the, the road of suffering. She chose the road of love. Ian's accident left him vulnerable. She chose to be vulnerable with him. And in so doing, she opened herself up to his hurts. What a beautiful picture of the Hesed kind of love that we're talking about here. You know, God made himself vulnerable because we are vulnerable. He opened himself up to our hurts by sending his son, Jesus Christ, down a road of certain suffering on our behalf. Isn't that great love? Isn't that a great love? Isn't that something to to give thanks for? But here's the thing is, as the psalmist thinks about this love, as, as he reflects on it, he begins to realize all the ways that God has demonstrated this love for him in his life. And then he begins to recount all these times that he's experienced God's unfailing, strong, steadfast love for him. And as he does that, it begins to impact him. It affects him. Let's look at some of that right now. Let's look at verse 5 and see some of the ways that giving thanks can impact our lives. Verse 5 says, In my anguish I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. Now let's stop there. Have you ever been in anguish? Have you ever been in anguish? Have you ever felt like the entire world is against you? That even 
your closest friends and family are against you. That's exactly where the writer of this psalm is. He goes on to talk about how all the nations around him, he's surrounded by nations that literally want to kill him. And even the people in his own country want to get rid of him. And so he's in anguish. But listen to what he says. He says, But I cried to the Lord, and he answered me by setting me free. Going on, he he says this in verses 6 through 9, The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. You know what I see when I look at this? What comes across from the writer's life is that here's a guy who has confidence and courage. When we give thanks to God, that leads us to a life of confidence and courage. Giving thanks leads us to a life of confidence and courage. Now, a lot of people use confidence and courage interchangeably, but, but there is a difference. Confidence is when you believe that even though a task is difficult, you believe that you can accomplish it, that you will succeed. And courage is, is when you actually take action, when you see something is going to be hard, but you go out and you try to do it anyways. So confidence is about our state of mind, and courage is about our action. So to say that giving thanks means that we'll, we'll be led into a life of confidence and courage means that when we give God thanks, when we recognize his strong, steadfast love for us, and we give him thanks for that, that we are led into confidence and courage. And that will change the way that we think and the things that we do. Some of the things that... Uh, that we think about when we talk about um, courage and, and confidence is, is just this idea of, of knowing what it is that we're supposed to do, having this confidence and courage, but we also have to recognize what is the right source of confidence and courage. So let's look back at verses 8 and 9. Verse 8, he says this, It is better to take refuge in, help me out here, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. So often, we all do this, right? We look to man, other people, to be our source of confidence and courage. Sometimes it's our parents, or maybe a spouse, or a sibling, or, or a good friend that we look to, to be our source of confidence and courage. And the problem with that is that people are imperfect. And so there's going to come a time that even though these people that are in our lives, that have previously been a source of confidence and courage, even though they love us very much. They're imperfect people, and there's going to come a moment when, in their weakness, they say something that hurts us, or they do something that breaks our trust, and our confidence and our courage becomes shaken, if not broken. But there's more. See, trusting in man could also mean trusting in yourself. For your confidence and courage. I mean, think about the number of self-help books that are out there, right? You go on Amazon, you go to Barnes & Noble, you go to the self-help section, and it's like a third of the whole store. And they all pretty much say the same thing. They say, look inside yourself for confidence and courage. So you buy the book, and you read it, and it gives you a way to look inside yourself for confidence and courage. And so, like a good old Stuart Smalley, you wake up each morning, you look in that mirror, and you say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. 
and you feel good about yourself, and you go about your day, and the weeks and the days go by, and you're doing pretty good. You're feeling good about yourself. You're feeling confident and courageous, but then, like we all do, something comes along that trips you up, and you fail, and you fall, and you're shaken. And what happens? You go back to the bookstore, and you buy another self-help book, because it's easier to believe that the method for finding confidence and courage is flawed rather than the source. But our source for confidence and courage needs to be God. Look what he says in verse 9. Again, he says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. What does he mean when he says trust in princes? He's talking about government. Do I really need to say more? Like, do we really want to put our trust in government? Some of you are probably thinking, well, if, if they would just put my guys in charge and give them all the power, then it would be fine, right? Who hasn't felt that way before? But, but the problem with that is, is what? That people that run the government are human, and so they're going to make mistakes. They're going to mess up. It's not a reliable source for our confidence and courage. It's better to take refuge in the Lord. Let God alone be our source of confidence and courage. Why? Because God is with us. Go back to verse 6. He says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Joshua 1.9, God tells Joshua, do not tremble or be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is one of my favorite verses. And you know what? It's one that my kids have memorized. And anytime we come across a verse that my kids have memorized, you know what we do? We say it together. Right? And we do it with motions. So, I need you guys to do this with me. Put yourself in the mindset of a two and a half year old and do these motions with me. God is with you wherever you go. All right, let's do that again. Remember, you're a toddler, you're two and a half years old, you've got all the energy in the world, you just woke up from your nap and you had your snack and you're ready to go. You ready? God is with you wherever you go. All right, God is with you wherever you go. God is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Doesn't that give you confidence? Just that thought alone that God is with me, that God is for me. What can man do to me? Talk about confidence and courage to move forward. Notice what the writer says. He doesn't say that that he's not going to suffer. He never says that. But he says, I, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God is with me. The writer of this psalm is looking down the barrel of life, looking at all the stuff that's coming at him. Here's a literal translation. He goes dirty hairy and he says, go ahead, make my day. What can man do to me? You got nothing. And I know there are people here that are facing difficult life circumstances divorce and and illnesses, loneliness, broken relationships, financial hardship. You're facing all of those things, but I, I hope that you will be encouraged by this verse that you don't have to be afraid. God is with you. What can man do to me? When we give thanks, when we think about God's love in our life, when we consider the way that he is He has loved us unconditionally with his strong, steadfast love. And we begin to recognize 
the good things that he's given us and give thanks for those, it brings us confidence and courage. Not only does giving thanks to God give us confidence and courage, it leads us to a life of recognition. Does anybody like being recognized? Do you like recognition? That sounds pretty good. I like being recognized. Words of affirmation is one of my love languages, right? It feels good when someone says, hey, man, that was a good job. Thanks for doing that. When our triplets were born, we were going through about 30 diapers a day, right? 30 dirty, nasty diapers a day. And when I went back to work, guess who was at home changing dirty diapers? By herself. My wife. But I would come in. About 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'd come in from work, I'd open the door, I'd go in and I'd change that dirty diaper, that one dirty diaper. And I was the hero. And I would wait, it's like I was waiting for confetti and balloons to drop and sirens and lights to go off. My wife to come out of the bedroom in her best formal ball gown and present me with the world's greatest husband and father award. And I'm still waiting, Right? Still waiting. But we like that little bit of recognition. All she, all she would say is, thank you. Thanks for doing that for me. And it felt like that was happening. Just that little bit of recognition. We all like that. But that's not the kind of recognition we're talking about when we say that giving thanks leads to a life of recognition. Let's look at verse 15 through 17. It says, Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. He goes on in verse 19 and he says, Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. What's he saying? In verse 17 he he says, I will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord's right hand, the Lord, who's he giving recognition to? Not himself, but to the Lord, God. When we live a thankful life, we begin to give recognition to God. And he says, I will proclaim what the Lord has done. Verse 19, he says, open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will come in, and we will give thanks. What's he talking about there? He's saying, I'm going to go to the church And I'm going to bang down the doors until they let me and everybody else in. And we're going to worship God because of his strong, steadfast love that allows us to live each day in confidence and courage. And we want to recognize God for all the things that he's given us. We want to do that together. We want to worship him. We want to bring him glory. But we're not going to stop there. As soon as we're done, we're going to go out and we're going to go to everyone that we know in our neighborhoods and in our schools and at our workplaces and we're going to proclaim the good news that God has given us to, to share with everyone. Right? That's what he's talking about. But think about it. Do, do we do that? I mean, when's the last time you got a phone call from someone out of the blue that, that they pick up and, and you, you say hello and they say, hey, you are not going to believe the thing that God just did in my life. I want to give thanks to God. When's the last time you, you had something happen in your life and you say, man, I can't wait to get to my community group and tell everyone about this. We are going to celebrate this and then we're going to go out and we're going to tell everyone what God has done. When's the last time you saw someone banging on the doors of the church saying, hey, let me in. I've got thanks to give. We need to call everyone, get everyone down here. Let's worship God together, and then let's go out and tell everyone about the good things that God has given us. 
That doesn't happen. We just don't see that. But you get a two-for-one coupon in the mail, and you save a couple bucks on groceries. That's plastered on Facebook, and you don't stop talking about that for a month, right? But what if it were different? What if, what if we did give God thanks? What if we acknowledged God's strong, steadfast love in our lives that allows us to live with confidence and courage each day because we can say that God is with me? What can man do to me? And then we gave him the recognition that he was due. What, what would that be like? Why, why don't we do that right now? Here's what I want to do. I want us to take just... 30 seconds, silently, just think about one thing in your life that you can recognize that God has given you out of his love that you're thankful for. Just silently, just try to think of that one thing. Have you got it? Now this is going to be a little weird for some of you. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to let you talk in church. You're going to get to talk in the middle of a sermon. How's that? What I want you to do is just get in a group of five or six people and then go around for the next couple minutes and just share what it is that you're thankful for. If you have a quick story that you can tell, share it with the group. But I just want us to celebrate the good things that God has given in our lives. So let's do that. For the next couple minutes, Just take some time, get in groups of five or six. Everybody stand up, come on, we're going to do this together. And just share with a couple people around you some of the good things that God has given you in your life. I hope everyone's had a chance to go ahead and share. If you would, go ahead and wrap up in your groups as we uh, move back into our seats. If you didn't get a chance to finish, I encourage you, as soon as we're done with the service today, take that time, just get back in your little huddle and share those things, because it feels good, doesn't it? Isn't it exciting not to just think about your own things that God has given you in your life, but to hear stories from other people about what God is doing in their life, to see that God is at work in the lives of everyone around us. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that something that that we should be about proclaiming to the rest of the world? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, it's easy for this guy in Psalm 118. I mean, he had people that were trying to kill him. He had other countries that wanted him dead. His own people wanted him dead. And God spares his life. And God gives him victory and triumph over his, his enemies. So surely it would be easy for him to go out and proclaim what God is doing. I mean, God has literally saved his life and given him victory over death. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You don't have to turn there, uh, but real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 54. Listen to what it says. It says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality... Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. 
always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. What do we see here? We see that sin and death are our enemies that surround us every single day. But that God through His Son Jesus Christ, through His death and resurrection, has given us victory over our enemies. He's given us victory over sin and death. The perishable is now clothed with the imperishable, right? That means that we can look forward, just as Christ was resurrected, we can look forward to being resurrected. And this isn't because of of keeping some list of do's and don'ts, but it's because of our faith in Christ as our Savior. That's God's strong, steadfast love for us. That should give us confidence and courage to face each day to say that God is with me. I will not be afraid. That is a message that is worth celebrating and proclaiming. Wouldn't you agree? Let's do that this week.